0: Everyone belongs. Period. Mm. Everyone. Everyone belongs. And that's that's the kind of faith I want to embrace, you know, a faith that that can embrace our belovedness without having to put anyone else down.
1: Welcome to You Better, a show about personal discovery and love. I'm your host, Keisha Garrison, and I'm on that journey of knowing and loving who I really am every day, just like you. I want you to come face to face with yourself and be proud of what you see. My friend, it's time to do better. It's time to you better. Now let's get to it. Hello, everyone. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you have been enjoying the life stories from my guests so far, and I hope you've been sharing them when they strike a chord with you. If you share on social media, tag me. I want to get that virtual high five and know who's out there rocking with me. Okay? All right. For today's conversation, we are learning from the life of Dr. June Love Young. June and I sat down for an interview on his podcast, A Change Mindset, back in 2021. Now, in that conversation, I shared with his listeners the stories of how I navigated major life changes along my journey. Make sure you go check that out, by the way. I enjoyed being interviewed by June, but it was such a treat to turn the tables and ask him the questions this time for you better. So get ready for the story of this inspiring man who moved to the United States from the Philippines as a young boy and who grew up to remix the dream his parents had for him. He also shared with me his powerful story of interrogating the religious beliefs he grew up with so that he could find his way to a faith that allowed love for him where there wasn't a wall between him and God because of who he chose to love. With that, please join me in conversation with Dr. June Love Young. I'm really excited, and I'm I'm feeling fortunate and blessed that you would bring your brilliance to my platform. Uh, And I'm excited that I get to be in the other seat now.
0: (laughs) We'll switch it up.
1: Asking you the questions. Um,
0: Bring it. So...
1: Who are you today? How would you describe yourself?
0: I am a person in process. I'm a person in process right now. There's lots of aspects of my life that's shifting and morphing. And I am at peace with that today. And just paying attention to the transformation and instead of fighting it, just being able to say, I'm a person in process.
1: Yeah. When you think back to Young June, yeah. what do you think Young June would think about how you see yourself today?
0: I don't think Young June would believe it. Ooh. I think Young June would would say that the life that I'm leading today was out of reach, like impossible, oh. I think is what Young June would say. Uh, in terms of my identity as a gay man, as a gay Christian man, I think Young June would have said, no, th- those two things don't go together. Um, what I do for work and uh, just how amazing uh, my work is and how much it, it feeds me and and the kinds of things I get to do I think June young June would say no not you no how, how could that possibly happen you know this Filipino immigrant kid like how, what are the steps to get from here to there uh, and in terms of just me embracing change and and um, and just letting go of, of uh, expectations, I think Young June would have been really frightened um, mm. about that. So yeah, yeah I, it, it does feel like a, a, a departure from um, who I was uh, many, many years ago. And it feels good, mm. honestly. I think this is the person I, I meant to be. Um, and so I'm, I'm just trying to live in the present and be grateful for, for where I'm at today. Does that make sense?
1: It makes a lot of sense. And I'm just, while you're speaking, I'm picturing young June feeling grateful. Yes. That even though he can not barely believe it. Yeah. Like Look at what happened.
0: I know. I'm telling young June, like, open your eyes. It's true. I know it it's, seems too good to be true. But here we are. No, you here grew we are up in and- the
1: Philippines?
0: I grew up in the Philippines uh, until I was about 10 years old, and we moved to California. My, my parents and I moved to California, and, and I moved here with my cousins. And so there's there was a lot of us in a house. There's four families living in one house, and that's, that's the only way we could afford it. But to me, we were like, we had made it. You know? uh, <laughs> A lot of Filipinos, it's their dream to be able to move to the United States. And so for us, you know, we're we're pretty like lower middle class. Like I never thought that that would be something that we would ever be able to do. But we did. And it was so much fun and growing up uh, with my cousins and um, I just felt really lucky to to be here in this country.
1: And in my digging around and researching you. I understand. Yeah, you have, what did you find? I found something that I see a lot in immigrant stories where you both of your parents wanted you to be a doctor.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, that was the, when, when my parents told us we were moving, they told us that the reason why was to give us a better life. And part of that was better education for the kids and ever since i was little it was just expected that we my brother and i would become doctors um, my parents were both nurses my my mom was a a licensed vocational nurse so she didn't really she didn't she never she tried for many many years i think a couple decades to get to become a registered nurse an rn so she'd get paid more but she never was able to pass the test and my dad was um was a nursing assistant. So he wasn't even able to get to become like a licensed vocational nurse. And so they worked a lot. They worked double shifts, triple shifts uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, and their dream for their sons was that we would not become nurses, but we would become doctors. That was sort of the, the dream. But you know, Keisha, that that's not what happened. I did not uh, become a, a medical doctor. Oh well. You did
1: not. And and you say you love what you do. So what do you do do now? What happened?
0: Yeah. So um, around senior year, uh, senior year high school, I got it in my head that I was going to go to university uh, right away, like from, you know, graduate from high school and go to university. And my dad was against that. While he wanted us to be a doctor, be doctors, he did not want us to go to college because we couldn't afford it. Uh, What he wanted us to do was to go to community college, um, get our uh, nursing license, and then work for a few years to earn the money and then go to college. And I just, I just, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go straight to college. And I had gotten some scholarships here and there, but it would have still required my parents to put in a good chunk of money. And my dad flat out said, no, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But, you know, I I persisted and I ended up um, choosing a college that gave me most of the money that I needed, at least for that first year. And my parents had to put in, I think, just a few thousand. And I just told my dad, I'm going to be a doctor. And I think that kind of convinced him like, yeah, you can skip the whole nursing route and just go to undergrad, study pre-med and become a doctor. And so I went into uh, university as a biochemistry major. Okay. Mm. (laughs) What about me that all my friends know is that when it comes to math or science, anything that involves numbers or details, it's just not, it's just not me. But I went in, I went into this because, you know, I I needed to convince my dad to, to, for me to go to college. And so I, I was a biochemistry major and the first semester at the end of first semester, my grades were horrible, horrible uh, in the sciences. Uh, and I called my dad up and I just said, this isn't going to work. I'm going to get kicked out of school. I'm going to lose all the scholarships. I need to change my major. And he's like, what do you mean? The deal was you were going to become a doctor. And I said, no, 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 no. I, I have a plan. Um, I'm going to major in communication. And he's like, what's that? Like, what, <laughs> what, what is communication? I said, well, you know, well, you know, <laughs> it's, it's one of the things you can do in order to become a lawyer. So I'm, instead of pre-med, I'm going to be pre-law and I'm going to be a lawyer. And it's like, oh, lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll work. That'll work. So I stayed, I stayed in college, uh, majored in communications and sociology and, and, uh, and graduated uh, as a communications major. Uh, and the plan was to go, to go to law school. Um, but then, <laughs> but what had um, happened like, was
1: oh, no, law
0: school. <laughs> and so I was like, Um, You know what? I'm going to get a master's first. I'm going to master's communication. I didn't need my parents anymore because with the master's I was able to become a TA. And so I I paid for everything, a little bit of stipend even. Uh, So I did my master's in communication. And then I started working after that. I started working. I worked for Boeing uh, right out of uh, graduated from master's, started working at uh, Boeing. And um, but then I thought, okay, well, I'm I'm still going to be a lawyer. So I actually ended up quitting Boeing and, and, uh, and spent the year applying to law schools. I applied to like 12, 14 law schools all around the country and got in, you know, got into many of them, including University wow. of Washington. And so I said, I'm going to go to University of Washington. I'm going to become a lawyer. Um, but at the same time, I was offered a job at Microsoft. And so I told UW, I just said, you know what? Can you just hold my spot for a year? I'm just going to do, okay. I have this job and and whatever. And I fell in love with uh, that work. I fell in love with Microsoft and the kind of work that I was doing there that involved communications. And I I just thought, I, I don't, I don't want to go to law school. I don't want to go law school. By this point, my dad had passed away. And so it was just my mom that was sort of the source of that expectation. And so I yeah. called her and I said, is it okay if I'm not a lawyer? And she's like, you can be whatever you want. Uh, I'm like, okay, because I'm not gonna. And so I I told UW, thanks, but no thanks. And I stayed at Microsoft for the next 11 years. And while I was at Microsoft, I pursued a, a doctorate, a PhD in communication at University of Washington. And so I'm now a doctor. I'm just a doctor that can <laughs> deliver babies or, you know, revive people if they're unconscious, but I, But I but I am a doctor. And and I do think that my parents' dream of us having a better life uh absolutely has come true. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Wow. A doctor by another name
0: is still another name. Still a doctor. Yeah. And honestly, I don't think I could have been a doctor, because the sight of blood, I I faint. I I'm not even exactly like if I I really feel
1: like you have to want that. I can't. I can't will myself into wanting to see people's blood. I just
0: can't. <sighs> no, I can't do it. Uh, so no, I don't think, I think that would have been a disaster. Uh, yeah. I, and pl- honestly, I don't think I could have cut it. I'm, <laughs> I am I, I don't say this to be down on myself, but I'm just not that smart in that way, I should
1: say. In that way. I'm not, that, I'm way. not
0: that kind of brain. I'm more of a creative brain and linguistic brain. And so what I've learned is just to pursue what it is that you love? What what is it that makes yeah. your heart sing? And the study of communication and helping people talk to each other better and helping companies tell their stories—that makes my heart sing. Like I feel so alive. Uh, I might add to the question that you asked earlier about you know who are you today? And and I'm a person who has come alive. I really feel oh. like this. I'm at the the best time in my life, and I I think that that the best is yet to come so how amazing is that you know
1: that is amazing a person who has come alive that's beautiful when you were talking about law school I was wondering if during that time you were trying to will yourself to want law school
0: absolutely yeah because it was always the I, I felt that as an immigrant you know as a Filipino immigrant coming here um, I felt that I owed it to my parents and I owed it to my people um, to uh, pursue these kind of high paying jobs. And, uh, and so to me, uh, becoming a lawyer meant that, that this move was, you know, was worth it. And the sacrifices yeah. of my parents, you know, working late nights and, and all that was, was worth it. But it it really wasn't what I wanted to do. It's just what I thought I should be doing with my life. You know, Mm. don't waste your life. Go be a lawyer. The the moment that I actually ended up realizing I didn't want to be a lawyer was I I went to um, uh, some sort of event uh, at a a school or something. and, And there was a speaker that talked about vocation. And he said, you know, we all have we have jobs but I I really hope that you find your vocation. And I thought, what's the difference? What's the difference? And the way he explained it is that that your vocation is your calling. It's what you are meant to do in this world. And sometimes your job gets in the way of that. And so I I kind of did some soul searching and I read a book called um, Let Your Life Speak by Parker uh, Parker Palmer, which is an amazing little book. Let Your Life Speak. And did some soul searching to really figure out, like, what what is my life telling me I want to be? Like, what is my calling? Not just the job. What's my calling? And if I were an attorney, would that allow me to fulfill my calling? And I realized, no, it wouldn't. Because what what I really felt called to do was to help people um, build better relationships with each other, to uh, make meaning and to communicate better. Um, And I'm not sure that that's an attorney's, you know, role. Uh, And so that's when I realized that, that I wanted my job and my vocation to be aligned. And Mm -hmm. so I let go of that thing that I thought I should be and just Mm -hmm. followed my heart. I followed what I, what I thought would make my heart happy uh, in terms of my vocation and Honestly, I've never looked back. There's been zero regrets over the last 20, 30 years of my career. Zero regrets. I don't. I, didn't, I couldn't predict what was going to happen uh, because it, there were so many twists and turns. Uh, you know, <laughs> I ended up leaving Microsoft and starting a company and now I've led that company for 11 years, a communications company, and uh, I, I didn't predict that. But it all makes sense looking back. Isn't that how it is? You yeah. look back and it's like, oh, that's why I needed to go through that and do this and this. And I think if I had been a lawyer, I'm not sure I would have been a lawyer for very long. Uh, I mm. think I would, have, I would have realized that this is not making my heart sing. This is not my vocation. Yeah. It's getting in the way of my vocation, in fact. <laughs> yeah. I love this. I love
1: the way you remixed your parents' dream. You took the dream I and you did. made the remix. Ooh, I like
0: that. I did. <laughs> yeah. And my mom is super happy. Uh, And uh, I'm not sure she quite understands what I do for a living, but she knows that I'm happy and and successful. So that's good. Beautiful.
1: All right, it's time for a quick break because I need to talk to the people who might want to book me. So listen, if you are in the position of curating powerful learning experiences and you like what you're learning here on You Better, let's take this thing to the next level. Email me today to book me for your next event or broadcast where personal growth or activating care for different communities and cultures are on the agenda. I am ready to moderate meaningful conversations, deliver insightful interviews, lead learning circles, or to speak about how we can be better to ourselves and others. Tap into my enthusiasm for encouraging us to love and celebrate the richness of our varied experiences. Email me today at info at KeishaGarrison.co and don't get it mixed up. That's an I before E in that Keisha and that is dot C-O at the end. Info at KeishaGarrison.co. I'll be looking out for your message. Now let's get back to the show. Well, another part of your story and and your identity as you shared, um, I'm captivated by how you found a way to bring together your faith. And your identity as a gay man, like given the typical messaging around Christian faith and same-sex attraction and love, how did you find your way to live in your truth while preserving your faith for yourself?
0: Oh gosh, it was a long and winding road, Keisha. Growing up, I was just taught that, you know, being gay was against God's will. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, well, I knew I was gay from when I was a a young teenager, but I just thought, all right, well, uh, my faith is more important. And so I, I willed myself using your words. I willed myself to be straight. I just chose to be straight, uh, and hide that, you know, the, my real me. So I got married. I had kids. I was married for 20 years to a woman. Uh, I have uh, teenager daughters, uh, two, two teenage daughters. And it wasn't until my forties after I got divorced that I did the work of really interrogating what I thought and believed about who God is and who I am and what it, what, what it would mean for me to be more truthful to, um, to myself. I, I started doing research and realized that what I thought I knew about scripture and and um, God, it, it just, it, it was really misinformed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just thought, you know, what I was taught when I was young is that God loves me no matter what. And so I held on to that. I held on to that. You know, some of my, my, my favorite um, passages in the Bible uh, talks about how God uh, is there with you. You know, like if you if you um, go to this place or this place, God is with you. Even if you make your bed in hell, God is with you. Wow! Right? And I and I just held on to that that um, that no matter what, God is for me, not against me. And having done kind of my my study uh, of scriptures, I realized that. That um, there's been a there's been sort of an agenda, if you will, um, against gay people. Yeah. That the Bible has been used and misused to condemn um, queer people. The word homosexuality, I found out, wasn't even added to the English Bible till 1946. So, uh, uh, 1946 in the United States. That was five States. minutes ago. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And so th- there's sort of this agenda. I think people. Are afraid of or are uncomfortable with the idea of same-sex coupling, and so they want to like look for evidence, right? Mm. Um, the way that I broke free was when I realized that God made me this way, God God made me who I am, and so I don't need to be ashamed of who I am. What I might need to do is leave the faith spaces. That disagree with me, and that's okay. You know, uh, we're we're blessed right now, in, in, in you know, in this life, in that there are more and more churches and mosques and and synagogues and uh, other faith uh, communities that are open and affirming and welcoming of LGBTQ identities. And so I just realized that I didn't need to change my faith. I just needed to change, you know, who I'm hanging out with, right? Um, and that's been yeah. a, an amazing uh, blessing in my life. I found a church here in Seattle that I go to and that is, um, you know, all about everybody. Everyone's loved. The, 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 yeah. the motto of the church is everyone belongs, period. Mm. Everyone. Full stop. Yeah. Yes. Full stop. Everyone belongs. And that's, that's the kind of faith I want to embrace, you know, a faith that, that can embrace our belovedness without having to put anyone else down. You see what I'm yes. saying? That's yes. Right? Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: I love when you said broke free, because I think about the Toni Morrison quote, if you are free, you need to free somebody else.
0: Ooh, yes. If you have yes, some yes, power,
1: yes. then your yes. job is to empower somebody else. And I know that that's a part of your story as well. You, in your breaking free. You then made space. You created safe space for young people. Via your organization, Beloved Arise. Yes. Could you tell me just a little bit about... Yeah.
0: So when I came out, I came out in my 40s. I think, I don't remember the exact age, but maybe 45 or so. I came out. I'm a grown-ass man at this point, right? So <laughs> bring it. Um, I know where I stand. Uh, and I felt a lot of rejection from my church. I was... Um, unceremoniously uh expelled from uh a board that i was serving on i was president of a board and i was asked to leave because i'm gay
1: wow
0: and that that surprised me in a city like seattle that's so progressive that there are these um empires that continue to oppress um queer people uh, And I just thought, gosh, like, I I just can't believe it. You know, here we are at 2020, I don't know, 2017, 2018, and this is still happening. And then I started hearing uh, the stories of young people at my church and at Christian schools in the area of how they've been uh, uh, marginalized in their faith communities. And I just said, you know what? I'm a grown man, but we cannot be doing this to our young people. Right. Uh, LGBTQ youth um, are significantly more likely to harm themselves uh, than their their straight peers, and I have to imagine that the pressure that these young people face at home, like with their family members, mm-hmm. uh, and you know in their churches and, and other faith spaces, I, I, I just have to imagine that that doesn't help uh, the the feeling of pressure and and um, self hate, honestly, that a lot of young people go through. And so I just thought, you know, we need to do something about this. So I started doing research to see what out there uh, exists to support queer youth of faith. There was nothing, there was nothing on a national level. And I was, I was flabbergasted to find that out. And I just thought, well, there has to be something. And so I gathered some friends, and we launched uh, this, this first nonprofit that's dedicated to LGBTQ youth of faith, uh, regardless of what faith background they come from, um, and it's been amazing. We, we've we've been in existence for two years, and the uh, the number of youth that have um, that have reached out to us, that we've engaged with, that we've pointed to uh, affirming spaces, um, has just been incredible. I mean, it it definitely feeds my soul to just see that that young people can thrive, that the, that the narrative that we, that we tell around LGBTQ youth um, doesn't have to involve suicide and homelessness and severe mental uh, uh, trauma, emotional trauma. It can be stories of hope and welcoming and encouragement and inspiration. There are young people out there who have proudly embraced all of who they are, including their queerness, including their faith, including their ethnicity and, and everything, everything who they are. And, and part of what Beloved Rises is doing is highlighting those stories, those stories of young people. One, because we want young people to see other, other folks yeah. and say, you know what? There's hope for me. And we also want to uh, let parents know it's okay. Mm. It's okay. Your kid is going to be just fine. You know, because I think yeah. a lot of parents just worry, you know, they worry about their kids. Yes. Um, that you it, that it doesn't have to be an either or proposition, my faith and my queerness, that it's a beautiful and, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, on behalf of the human family that wants more people to be free, I thank you so much for doing that work. That's really beautiful. Mm. And I bet Young June is clapping, really proud you. I wish of you. this was
0: around for Young June, honestly. <laughs> uh, but um, no, it's, it, it is such a gift in my life to be able to do this work. Yeah. yeah.
1: Beautiful. Something else I'm thankful for about you, if I may continue
0: to embarrass you. I, no, you are. It's great <laughs> to feel uncomfortable, Tisha, but okay. What's next?
1: You are very personally expressive in a space where people seem to mostly be about broadcasting their professional achievements the LinkedIn.
0: <laughs> mm, yes, yes, yes. yes, You
1: are very personally expressive. You share a lot of your personal stories um, as a storyteller. I appreciate seeing another storyteller in, in their glory. Um, and so I have been following your latest um, kind of theme of stories around more joy.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Can you share with me a bit about why you've chosen to focus A chunk of storytelling or what you know on joy and what is the more joy project for you
0: sure Uh, let me just back up a little bit about you know kind of sharing my stories i've lived most of my life hiding everything you know like Mm. hiding everything and so once i came out to the world i just decided i'm not going to really hide things anymore i'm just going to talk more freely and share my truth uh one because uh i think doing so is a really important self-love practice but also I, I would like to encourage everyone else to just kind of be who you are and, and including in professional spaces like linkedin more joy so every year i choose a word i choose a theme for the year that i, I kind of chew on and yeah. uh, marinate uh, and this year as i was thinking through this is like back in december I was thinking like, what's what's my word this year? And joy came to me. And I was like, joy, hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it felt really uncomfortable at first. I was Ooh. like, I don't, and let me tell you why.
1: Yes, you know I was gonna ask why. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> joy in this moment, yeah. with the pandemic, with everything that's going on around the world, it feels overindulgent or self-indulgent, you know. It, it feels luxurious, or it feels, or maybe even out of touch. Yeah. And so I, I kind of put it aside for a while. Uh, not this year. But then I kept coming back to joy, 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 and I realized that in my life, I I'm prone to deprioritize joy, in making mm. decisions about what I do, what I say yes to. Um, how I spend my time, joy is sort of like last on the list sometimes. And instead, what I prioritize is duty, responsibility, expectations, fear. What would it look like for me in this year to let joy be the reason why I choose to do certain things and I choose not to do certain things? Like I'm going to work with this client because it's going to bring joy to, to each other. I'm going to say yes to this project because it's something I'm really going to enjoy, right? Um, and I'm going to say no to that meeting because I know it's going to steal my joy. What mm-hmm. would that look like to actually practice, um, you know, letting joy be the motivation each day? And that's exactly what I've been doing. Every day, I just think, okay, now why are you really doing that? Why did you say yes to that meeting? Is it because you're afraid or you're, you feel like you have to, or is it because you think you might find joy there, Right. And so I, I've just started doing that and I've shared a lot of kind of my, my insights so far on LinkedIn, and I've started calling it the hashtag more joy project, because that's really what I want to do. It's very simple that in 2022, I commit to bringing more joy into my life and more joy out to the world. That's it. More joy, not less joy, more joy. <laughs> now, let me go back to that original thing of like, it feels uncomfortable to, to commit yeah. to joy and and to kind of raise the banner of joy, and what I came to—this is just actually just a few weeks ago—because I was still feeling comfortable and like almost sheepish about about being so like all in uh, for joy. I can't. Because the question is like, like, is it really appropriate for you to be talking about joy when so much sorrow and so much hardship and so much suffering is going on yeah. in the world? And my answer is this: the answer is, especially in times like this. Especially in times like this, we as human beings should pursue joy, should pursue joy, joy that's already around us for the taking, right? Joy that's, that's in the air that we breathe in the people that surround us willingly without us having to pretend, you know, in the work that we get to do every day, there's joy all around us. And this is the moment, you know, while the world is on fire to pursue joy, because the alternative um, I think is inhumane I think to to commit uh, violence you know against ourselves to lock ourselves in in these boxes of um, ongoing uh, grief and and, and self uh, um, flagellation uh, it, it's just not the way I think people should live uh, I think that, um, at least for me, uh, I want to every day to choose joy in midst of the sorrows and suffering, even in my own life, right? Yeah. Because let me tell you, Keisha, what we've talked about right now, we've talked about so far is all like the positive things. But I don't know if you've experienced this, a <laughs> feeling you have. But when, <laughs> when I choose to be myself, when I choose joy, it, it ruffles costs. feathers. Mm-hmm. People don't like it. People say, how dare you? Um, yeah. And it's not as direct as this, but it's almost like you need to be miserable. And I'm saying. Because I'm miserable. Yes, exactly. You can't be gay and, and, and do this kind of thing. You, you can't be doing that. What, what, you, you, you can't be like leading a business if, if you're you know an immigrant uh, mm-hmm. person. You can't be doing. And, you know, my response is peace be with you. I'm pursuing joy. You know, yeah uh, regardless
1: yeah because to a person who has fully signed on to a value system that makes them feel miserable mm. you and your joy is a defiant thing that devalues something they're holding on to yes and how how dare you now, say that this doesn't matter as much. I just based my whole misery on this.
0: And good on you. Like live your truth. If that's what you need to do, I'm going to choose more joy for my life. Yeah. And for the world, you know, like uh, I want to bring more joy out to the world also.
1: I found myself. I don't know
0: where this is going to take me. It's only March, right? But (laughs) every day I just, I reflect on it. What does joy mean to me? Um, how do I bring more joy into my life? What steals my joy? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's been a revelation, honestly. Yeah. It's so good.
1: I love it. Keep doing it because oh. I had to get to a same that same place of getting more comfortable yeah. with being joyful at a time when there's so much pain. Yes, um, I've had several people tell me, "Please don't stop telling us about the good things that are happening." You're inspiring. You're you're this. You're that, and and yes. I would say All to them, well, right. it's a little, it's a little uncomfortable. And they're like, but I need a good story right now. Like I kind of need someone to cheer for, Yes. or I need someone to say something good is happening somewhere yes. yes, so that everything doesn't look hopeless.
0: Yes, that's it. And when
1: I, when I thought about it that way, I'm like, okay, then it doesn't feel as self indulgent to share when something good happens in my life because it is offering hope. Someone else is borrowing some hope from my life story. So
0: I, like, I, yes, absolutely. A thousand times yes. You know, um, you and I are both storytellers. Um, we're both, I think, artists in our own way. And all, all, all I can do is just tell it how I see it. And right now I have joy glasses on, uh, where I'm, I'm looking for the joy that already exists. And I'm just going to tell those stories. Right. Uh, and what, what the world does with that, uh, in many ways is out of my control, but right now it's, it's, it's where I'm at, you know, I've committed to joy and I do, I do believe that it will bring hope, um, Uh, for others as I I do so yeah
1: I love it thank you so much thank Mm. you thank Thank you you yeah so I want to know how do you now show Mm. love to yourself what are the ways in which you love on you
0: I love the title of your podcast by the way you Mm. better there's so much I, I feel like we could unpack it for for there's so many different meanings right
1: Oh, and we can.
0: <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I the way that I'm showing love to myself, I think has, I think the 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 name of your show, "You Better," uh, I think is is spot on. That I, the way I'm showing love to myself is by pursuing um, actively me better. You know, uh, this, it seems like the theme of our conversation so far is just yeah. um, what I'm doing to. Um, to create a life that that um, that brings me more freedom and breaks you know breaks the chains of of oppression and shame and self doubt and self hate uh, and so yeah so I think the 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 thing that's that's really resonating with me right now in terms of how I love myself is by being intentional with the life that I'm, that I'm leading like every day and telling the truth, um, regardless the cost. um, And also to allow myself to be cared for. I think that's one thing that's Mm. new, new for me. That's hard for me. Uh, Not that I don't want to be cared for, but I I think I have sort of a particular way I want to be cared for. And, oh, well, if if you're not going to care for me in that way, then I'll just do it myself. Uh, and I'm giving myself a lot more grace to be cared for not in the way only in the way that I see it happening, but allowing my fiance for example to care for me and allowing my 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 friends to to support me and care for me and ask me the deep questions that I will actually answer rather than just say no I'm fine right um, so I think that's the other the other way uh, is allowing others to care for me. Um, mm. Yeah.
1: Are you more comfortable caring for them?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think part of that is because of the, the hiding, the bifurcated yeah. life that I've led for most of my life, uh, that in in allowing others to care for me, that I'm almost admitting these needs. Mm. Uh, so I'm more comfortable caring for others than, or encouraging others than, than doing that to myself. Um, but I'm learning. Every day I'm learning, little, little by little.
1: Little by little, every day as you keep coming alive.
0: Yeah.
1: This has been beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me on You Better. My pleasure. All right, it is time for a quick break y'all let's talk about books you know how at the end of every episode i give you some resources and often those resources are great books that i think would really pair well with the things that we're learning and doing here on you better so for that reason the podcast is affiliated with bookshop.org Bookshop is an online bookstore with a mission to financially support local independent bookstores. So whenever you head over to bookshop.org shop slash youbetter and purchase my recommendations, you are not only supporting your own self-love and self-discovery journey, you are also helping to keep local bookstores as an integral part of our culture and communities. And on top of that, you are also financially supporting the production of You Better. Again, that's bookshop.org/shop/youbetter. Head over there to get shopping. Okay, now let's get back to the show. Thank you so much, June, for coming to You Better and for giving us so much to sit with today. There are a couple of things that I'm still reflecting on after hearing June's story. One is this notion of what we owe to our parents. The idea of parents who sacrificed a lot for their children and then the creation of this dynamic where the children end up feeling like their whole life is now about paying their parents back with their whole life. Like every choice one makes is now just the interest due on this endless emotional loan that came about simply because you exist. Your parents are not Sally Mae. Without projecting anything extra onto June's story, I just am sitting with those words about what we owe people. And it just makes me want to impress upon any listeners out there whose parents are directly or indirectly creating a dynamic where you feel indebted to them with your whole life. Just know that those parents will view your independence as abandonment. And that's their wound process. Your independence is an important part of your development. So don't abandon yourself, not even for your parents. Also... June's ability to find his way to a faith practice that doesn't require him to deny or punish parts of who he is is also inspiring to me. Our faith can be powerful, steadying presence in our lives, but so many feel it isn't accessible to them because of oppressive doctrine. If your faith practice leaves you in daily pain, I don't think that is the spirit of God's love. This is your wake up call that it is possible to find a faith community that will affirm and love you. It is possible. And finally, that choice to choose more joy, even amidst, or especially amidst, all the awareness we have of suffering in the world. Thank you, June, for that reminder that we all need to experience more joy so that we can also spread more joy. Mm. All right. Now on to the resources for this episode. I want you all to please check out and support Beloved Arise, June's national organization for queer youth of faith. They fight for the lives of queer youth of faith by building relationships, offering support and inspiring youth to embrace life to the fullest. Head to BelovedArise.org, B-E-L-O-V-E-D-A-R-I-S-E.org, BelovedArise.org. And for some recommended reading, which, as usual, I will provide links to in my shop on bookshop.org. June shared Let Your Life Speak, Listening for the Voice of Vocation by Parker J. Palmer. And he actually shared a few more with me. So I'm going to let him describe those books and then we'll wrap up.
0: Uh, In terms of breaking free of the internalized homophobia, uh, there's a book called God and the Gay Christian, which I was really helpful uh, for me in unpacking what I believe and and what the Bible really says. So that's really helpful if that's the topic. Um, I also, uh, in, in terms of like um, uh, books that just help recently that, that have helped me sort of find my way, I really I'm a big fan of Glennon Doyle's book. My fiance and I listened to it on audio. Yeah, Untamed is what it's called i think it's for everyone to read uh, wow. the thing that i pulled away from it that was most valuable was this, this idea that that deep down i'm wild i'm i'm a wild person and i think yeah. we all are and but what happens is we we get tamed right in a variety of spaces at home in faith spaces and educational spaces at work we get tamed and what does it look like to set ourselves free to be wild again to, uh, to venture and to imagine and to make mistakes boldly and, yes. and celebrate that. Uh, what does it look like to be wild and untamed again? You know, So that, that's been really speaking to me recently.
1: All right. Thank you so much, June. And with that, I hope you learned something today that will help you to you better. I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you found value in this episode, share it with a loved one. That's the main way we keep the show going and growing. And please leave a rating and a review for me. Let me know what's on your mind. All right. I'll see you next week.